one blonde and one brunette inherit the family ranch. And unfortunately, after just a few years, they're in a financial bind. They're in financial trouble. And in order to keep the bank from repossessing the ranch, they need to purchase a bull from a stockyard in a faraway town so that they can breed from their own stock. But here's the catch. They only have $600 left in the account. Upon leaving, the brunette tells her sister, when I get there, if I decide to buy the bull, I'll contact you to drive out after me and haul the bull home. The brunette arrives at the stockyard, inspects the bull, and decides that she wants to buy it. The man tells her that he will sell it for $599 and no less. And after paying him, the brunette drives to the nearest town to send her sister a telegram to tell her the news. She walks into the telegraph's office and says, I want to send a telegram to my sister telling her that I bought a bull for our ranch. I need her to hitch the trailer to our pickup truck and drive out here so we can haul it home. The telegraph operator explains that he'll be glad to help her, then adds, it's 99 cents per word. Well, after paying for the bull, the brunette only has $1 left. She realizes that she'll only be able to send her sister one word. And after a few minutes of thinking, she nods and she says, I want to send her the word comfortable. The operator shakes his head. How is she ever going to know that you want her <laughs> to hitch the trailer to your pickup truck and drive out here to haul that bull back to your ranch if you send her just the word comfortable? The brunette explains, my sister is a blonde. The word's big. She'll read it very slowly, come for the bull. Say, Pastor, what on earth does that have to do with your word? Absolutely nothing today. <laughs> How many was here last Sunday? Last Sunday, I believe, was one of the most powerful services in the history of this church. So many of you came down to these altars. So many of you left blessed. Some of you were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We received reports of miracles just this past week in your life. And before I jump into this word, and we're actually going to talk about just this very subject today, that we are the body of Christ. But how many know that if we are the body of Christ and if we're running a marathon and we're going all out the entire marathon, then we're going to break down. So today is going to be a day that we still go after God with everything that we got. And I'm not going to slow up, but we may have just a little bit of a sigh of relief today if that's okay with you. Is that all right? Because today I want to start a brand new series for the next few weeks that I've entitled Summer business. Summer business. I can't believe that it's already summertime. School is out, and for most of us, school is out or will be out this upcoming week. Kids are going to be at home. We're going to be taking vacations, and the summer is upon us. But I'm here to tell you today that I've heard from God, and I decree and declare over this church that this is going to be the best summer in the history of this church. Let me tell you something. We're going to have healings over the next few months. We're going to have breakthroughs in this house. 
This is going to be the summer that our church is no longer wanderers. We're no longer pioneers. We're going to be getting onto our property. We're going to be having services in our buildings. I'm here to tell you today that we are still going to have some business even though it is the summer. If you're with me, say amen. Now, if you want to jump into this thing, will you stand up on your feet today for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says this. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. In verse 49, Jesus said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Father, I pray that you would add the blessing of the reading of your word. Help us, O oh God, to be about your business today. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. All those who love him today say, Amen. 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 Give somebody a hand clap or I mean a, a high five before you're seated. Tell them, get ready, get ready, get ready. Now in our passage of scripture, we find a, a very young Jesus who had just been in Jerusalem celebrating Passover. Imagine this with me for just a moment that 20 years later, Jesus is going to be in Passover again, but this time as the ultimate sacrificial lamb. He understands because he is all-knowing. Even at 12 years old, he understands his purpose in life. That's why when I was a youth pastor for seven years, I always challenged teenagers because if Jesus understood his purpose at 12, then I believe we need to start challenging this generation today to live for God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus stayed behind. Now imagine with me for just a moment, you're on vacation. You're wherever you are planning to go this year. St. Augustine, Orlando, Canada, Timbuktu, I don't know, you're on vacation. Hallelujah. But after a day of driving to come back home, you look in your back seat and you notice that your child is no longer with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be freaking out in the car. Poor Joshua is watched like a hawk every day of his life. That boy is going to be 30 years old before he gets to go into a room by himself. Joseph and Mary are traveling, if you will, in a caravan. 
There's family members all alongside of them. There's aunts, there's uncles, there's cousins. And so in their mind, they're thinking, well, if I don't have them, then somebody else has them. But it took them a day to realize after they stopped for the night, Jesus is not with us. Now, I don't know about you, but as we kind of dive into this message, as we go for summer business, I'm here to tell you today that I don't ever want to get to a point in my life where I'm traveling down the road and I realize that Jesus ain't with me. And so the Bible continues and says that after they've stopped and realized that Jesus is not with them, they return to Jerusalem. And after three days, they find him in the temple. Now, let me ask you a question. Why isn't it that they looked at the church first? Just 12 years prior, did not an angel appear to both of them announcing that Mary's baby is going to be the Son of God who is coming to save His people. So I don't know about you, but if I remember a dream vividly from an angel from on high, I'm going to check the church first. And I'm here to tell you today that I don't want to travel down a road and not have Jesus with me any longer. But over the summer, as we're taking time off, as we're going on vacation, I don't want to forget about the house of God either. I'm here to tell you today that I love vacations. And in no way, hear me when I say this, in no way am I saying don't take time off because Jackie and I right now, we're planning where are we going to go to get away and to get refreshed. But I'm here to tell you today that we have this mentality in the American church and I'm getting blunt and I'm about to step on some toes because you put them out in front of me. But we have this mentality today that, oh, we went to church last week. We're good for a little while. Or, oh, we had one big event. My kids sang on the platform, so I'm good for a couple of weeks. Let me, let me tell you something. How many of us in the room like to eat? Now, oh, I'm about to give an altar call right now. Bunch of liars, hypocrites. I'm playing. How many of us eat more than once a day? Imagine today that every time we come to church, we're sitting at the Lord's table. We only right now have one service a week. And I, am I getting just kind of blunt and honest with you? That's going to change, and that's going to change soon. But right now, we just have one service a week. And I don't know about you, but I need to be fed spiritually. If all we're going to do is meet once a week, then I want to make sure that every time the door of the church is open, me and my family are there. My kids need to hear what Pastor Steve has to say. My babies need to hear what Miss Chris has to say. I'm here to tell you today that our babies in the back, and there's 12 of them right now. There might be more, but there was 12 babies before I came into the sanctuary today. They're not just coloring, but Miss Chris is telling our three and our four and our two-year-olds all about Jesus. Joshua came home last Sunday and we asked him, where does Jesus live? He didn't say in the clouds. He didn't say in heaven. Joshua said after nursery, Jesus lives in my heart. Come on somebody. I'm here to tell you today 
that as Father's Day is approaching, that I want to lead my household in the things of God. I want to lead my household in the ways of God. And if we're going to talk about the summer, then let's get real for just a moment. I want to get fed spiritually. I'm also here to tell you, I'm about to get nicer in just a moment. We live in a beach town. It is in our name. New Smyrna Beach. But I'm also here to tell you today that if the beach is there from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock, well, guess what? I got news for you. It's going to be there from Monday through Saturday as well. I think that God is wanting a church, a remnant of people who say, you know what? I don't want to sleep in today. The beach can wait. All the other external things of, of the world can wait because I'm going to get myself up and I'm going to get fed today. You know why I need to get fed? You know why I need to get filled? Because during the week, I leak. Am I talking to any real people in the house today? During the week, I leak. If somebody cuts me off, oh my Lord. I'm thankful I went to church because I got filled up. Because there went half a pint right there. Come on, somebody. But I need to be in the house of God so that I can get fed and so that I can get filled. Am I talking to anybody in the house now, I believe that God is calling us to be the church. Now, the Greek word for church, and many of you know this, is ecclesia. The word ecclesia simply means this. It means to be called out. It's called out once. And if we're going to talk about summer business, then I want to live a lifestyle like Jesus has called me out. Am I talking to anybody today that Jesus has called you out of some junk? Am I talking to any real people today that said, you know, I used to be a drug addict, I used to be an alcoholic, I used to be addicted to other things, but now I'm addicted to a high called Jesus. I'm talking to some people today that wants to live called out. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head. Say head. Look at your neighbor and say head. Look at the person behind you and say head. He gave him to be head over all things, the church, that's you, that's me, the called out ones, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hear me when I say this church, the church, you, me, Jackie, Eric, Brother Bob, Brother Roger, Miss Sarah, and I could keep going. Everybody needs a head. Every single one of us, we need a head. And I'm here to tell you today that the head of this church, and I got news for you, is not Eric Danner. Because one day, God is going to call me away from this house. Now let me stop right there and say, I hope it's not anytime soon. I love being here. I love being your pastor. But I in no way am your head. The head of this church, his name is Jay. E-S-U-S. -S. It's Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, King and Lord. But the Bible continues in, a, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Can I put it in Eric Danner, Alabama twang for you today? Don't forget to come to church. 
That is what the author of Hebrews is trying to say to his people. That if we're going to talk about summer business, don't forget to come and get fed. Because when you come to church, when you don't forsake, the church is priority. Which means that Jesus is priority. Can I get an amen? And I don't know about you, but I want to keep Christ as the head in my life. Now the word continues. And this is where we're going to get to the crux of this message. In verse 49, after his parents have found him and the temple, Jesus looks at them and says this, Why on earth were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? At 12 years old, Jesus knew why he had been placed on this earth. Now I want you to catch this with me for just a moment. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And he actually leads off with this, our Father who art in heaven. I want you for just a moment with me today, I want you to zero in on the word our, our Father. Our is Greek, it's hemon, and it's, it's actually plural case. It means us, we. I'm here to tell you today, that yes, Jesus is the Son of God. But I'm also here to tell you today that once I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I have been adopted in. That once I ask Him to forgive me of my sins, no longer is just God His Father. But I'm also here to tell you today that God is also my Father. Oh, goodness gracious. He was telling us today that his father is also my father, and he's also your father. So then, oh my goodness, you ready for this? You ready for some revelation? So then, if he has to be about his father's business, then so do we, because he is our father as well. Come on, somebody, give God a shout of praise. The business of Jesus should be my business as well. Now, one translation says it this way. Why on earth were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be about the affairs of my God? Now, I don't know about you today, but as we're now heading into the summer, I'm not taking my foot off of the gas. Some pastors, they get so depressed that it's summertime. That's crazy talk. I'm here to tell you that I think that this is going to be the greatest summer in the history of Calvary NSB. I'm here to tell you today that there's people that still need to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm here to tell you today that there's still homeless that need to be loved on and fed. I'm here to tell you today that there's still work to be done. And so I'm here to tell you that we over this summer, we're not going to take a vacation from God because God does not take a vacation from us. We're going to be about the affairs of our God. Business. Business actually has a simple definition. That with which a person is principally and seriously concerned. And this summer, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in this sanctuary except myself. But this summer, I want to concern myself with the things that concern Jesus. If there's anything that's going to keep me up at night, 
I want it to be what keeps Jesus up at night. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Now hear me when I say this, that the priority of Jesus is salvation. Pastor, why have we grown? I'm thankful that we have grown. I love to say this, that I think we're the only church in America that meets at 12 o'clock in somebody else's church, and we're still growing. Why? Because we're like Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you, baby. Come on, somebody. But we are going to prioritize what Jesus prioritizes. And that, number one, ultimately, always is souls. It's why he came. Mark chapter 2, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1, 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Our summer business this year, priority number one is souls. I did not come to New Smyrna Beach. Let me say this clearly, simply to work at a big church. I did not come to New Smyrna Beach simply because it would look good on my resume. I did not come to NSB so that I could get a name working with a name. I came to NSB working for the name that is above all names. I came to NSB because I believe that this land is ripe. I believe that this land is ripe for harvest. And I believe that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The term Christian, hear me when I say this. The term Christian, it simply means this, little Christ. In no way are we ever considered deity. But he who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. And I'm here to tell you today that if I am going to be a little Christ, then I am going to come. To the north, the south, the east, and the west, I'm going to call people home in the name of Jesus. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Now, I said last week there were four things that the Spirit of God, how many are so thankful for the Spirit of God? Come on. How many are thankful for the Spirit of God? We're a church not only of, but we're a church for the Spirit. Come on, somebody. There are four things that the Holy Spirit is going to release over this house. The first thing that the Lord said to me last week, Pentecost Sunday, was tell this church that I am about to release a season of harvest. Not only that, but he's going to release a suddenly. He's going to release a sound in this place. Hallelujah. But I believe the very first thing that he's going to release over this house is that it's going to be a season of harvest. I'm here to tell you, yes, we are going to grow when we get on the property. 
I'm here to tell you, yes, we're going to see a season of harvest when we get on the property. But I don't want to wait because there are people right now that are dying and they're going to a sinner's hell. I don't want to wait until we have a church building to tell somebody about Jesus. People need to know about Jesus, whether we rent a building, whether we meet in a house, whether we meet under a tent, whether we meet in a street. I'm here to tell you that people need to know Jesus, whether we have a building or not. Because God is about to usher in a harvest in New Smyrna Beach. We're not going to miss out on souls simply because it's summertime. Oh, my goodness. Now, watch this. In both Luke 19 and 1 Timothy 1, the word save. The word save right there is the same word. It's Greek. It means it's sozo. It means this, to rescue. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus came to rescue now, I love how Paul said it, chiefly me, the chief of all sinners, me. Paul was the one, as you know, who was persecuting Christians left and right. The reason that he left Jerusalem to, 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 to persecute Christians was because he already persecuted all the Christians. And so he went to the Sanhedrin and said, there's no more here. Let me go to Damascus where there's still believers of Jesus so that I can wipe them out too. But on the road to Damascus, something changed in his life. On the road to Damascus, someone showed up in his life and they changed his name from Saul to Paul. I'm here to tell you today that I believe that there's going to be people over the next three months. I feel it in my spirit. Over the next three months, there's going to be people that come to this house, and they're going to have a Damascus Road experience. We're going to start to see, we're going to start to see the homosexuals come to know Jesus. We're going to start to see those who the world has accepted, and Christianity has turned their back on. Those are the ones that we're going to start to see come into this house. We're going to start to see the ones that smell just a little bit. They don't look the part like us. But I'm here to tell you today, stop getting so holy that you can't reach down and pick somebody up where they fell into. Because he's here to rescue He's here to rescue. The word rescue it means to keep safe and sound as you rescue from danger. And can I tell you today that I serve a never-changing God. My God is never changing. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, I am the Lord and I do not change, which tells me this, that if he came to rescue 2,000 years ago, then Jesus came to rescue today. Our summer business is to rescue the lost, the hurting, the poor, the drug addict, the homeless, the sinner. If we're going to concern ourselves with anybody, we're going to concern ourselves with those that Jesus has concerned himself with. Listen to me. It was Christmas Eve in 1910, a little over 100 years ago. 
General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army in London, England, at the, the near end of his life, his health was poor and he was going to be unable to attend the Army's annual conviction, convention and Booth had become an invalid. His eyesight was failing him. No one knew that he would not live to see another Christ, Christmas that Christmas Eve 1910 would be the very last Christmas that he would ever experience. Somebody suggested that General Booth, if he could not make it, send a message, send a telegram to be read at the opening of the convention as an encouragement to the many soldiers of the Salvation Army that would be in attendance following Christmas. And there are many hours of labor ministering so that many others through holidays and cold winter months could come to know Jesus. So Booth, in reluctancy, he agreed to do so. And knowing that funds were limited and desiring not to use any more money than necessary so that as much money as possible that has been, that has been uh, reached over the Christmas holidays could be used to help the many people in need. General Booth decided to send a one-word message because every word is 99 cents. He searched his mind and he reviewed his years of ministry looking for the one word that would summarize his, his life, the mission of the army, and encourage the others just to continue on. When the thousands of delegates met, hear me, the moderator announced that Booth would not be able to be present because of his failing health and his eyesight. Gloom and pessimism swept across the floor of the convention, just like if I'm not here on a Sunday. And then the moderator announced that Booth had sent a message to be read. With the opening of the first session, he opened the telegram and read the one-word message that General William Booth himself had sent. And that word was this, others. Others. I'm here to tell you today as I'm beginning to close. Our summer business is not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. It's about others. It's about others. I'm going to keep saying it until it sinks in. It's about others. Let me try this, this side. It's about others. I'm here to tell you it's about others. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about others. This summer, it's not about me. It's about Matthew chapter 9 as I'm closing. Hear me, church. It's an all too familiar passage. Verse 35 of Matthew 9, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples this, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I'm here to tell you as I'm closing three things about the harvest that is, a, that is our summer business. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The harvest is plentiful. As I was studying and I was researching this message, church, I began to contemplate the vastness, literally, of this world. And to be honest with you, it's one of those things, how many has ever stayed up at night thinking about the hard questions? 
Where did God come from? I'm not getting to that today. But as I began to think about the hard questions, suddenly it dawned on me before I began to research this message, how many just in New Smyrna Beach, just in Port Orange, and just in Edgewater do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. I, I came across this amazing statistic that it's an estimated 25,230 people that live in New Smyrna Beach today. Port Orange is a lot larger. It's 57,203 people that make up Port Orange. Edgewater is a little bit smaller. It's 20,750. For a grand total of those three cities, 101,183. Now, I want to remind you that in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that the Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the other ends of the earth. Jerusalem, New Smyrna Beach. Jerusalem, New Smyrna Beach. Stop thinking you're going to cross the sea if you haven't even crossed the street yet. Jerusalem, New Smyrna Beach. Samaria, Port Orange. Am I talking to you? Judea, Edgewater. 101,000 people that live amongst us. They rub elbows with us. They work. They go to school around us. And I'm going to throw out an amazing number to you today. And I'm actually going to go high. That what if a half of those people actually know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? I'm just dividing it by half. And I believe in my heart of hearts, church, let me say it, that that is probably a relatively high percentage. But what if half of them know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Well, that would mean this, that 50,591 people would still be lost. That right there, church, is my summer business. I'm here today for the 50,591 people that are still lost. The harvest is plentiful. And I wonder today as I'm closing, I've got two more quick points, and then I'm going to pray. But I wonder today, what moves you truly? What is it that moves you? When was the last time that you saw someone in need and it truly moved you to the core of your being? The Bible says that Jesus, he had compassion upon them. You want to know why? Because number two, not only is the harvest plentiful, but the harvest is precious. The harvest is precious. The word compassion right there, and forgive me if I'm not saying this correctly, but you'll see it on the screen, splagnizoma, and it simply means this, the inner parts to be moved. Go back with me 2,000 years ago into the times of Jesus where Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, he's going from city to city, he's healing the sick, he's casting out the demons, and he sees the multitude of people who are in need of a Savior. And the Bible says that the very first thing that he does is that he is moved. He's moved into the innermost part of who he is. And I wonder today, is the harvest really precious to you? I have to ask you this question, church, as much as I love being your pastor and as much as I love to see every single one of you here, why are you here?
I have to ask you. Hear me, and I want you here every Sunday. I want you, your family, I want you here. We want you to be a part. But ultimately, let's take a step back. Let's look in the mirror. Let's begin to reflect for just a moment and say, are my priorities lined up in accordance to the Word? Because I want something this summer to move us to the core. If Jesus, his heart grieves for every soul, then don't you think, church, that our heart should grieve for the 50,591 people that don't know him as Lord and Savior. Hear me when I say this. I'm not here to steal other people's sheep. I've said that a lot recently, but I will never call somebody else's church to say, hey, why don't you come check out what's going on at Calvary? I will never proselyte someone else's flock. I'm thankful Let's say that 50% of the people in this area know Jesus. I'm thankful that 50,591 of them know Jesus. That's not my target field. That's not my harvest field. Those aren't the ones that I'm going after. I'll see them in heaven. I'll worship with them at the throne room. I'll worship with them at the, the, the very seat of Jesus in heaven. But I'm here to go after the ones. Because they're precious to Jesus. And because they're precious to Jesus, not only is the harvest, hear me when I say this, plentiful, not only is the harvest precious, but thirdly and lastly, hear me when I say this, man, would you come? The harvest is priority. That's it, church. That's my eloquent sermon for the day. The harvest, it's priority. On another occasion... Jesus said to his followers, open your eyes, look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Now listen, in no way, hear me, I might be a southern boy, but in no way do I ever claim to be a farmer. You thought I was about to get serious there, didn't you? In no way, just because I'm from the south, I know little about farming. But I do understand this, that when ripened, wheat takes on a golden hue when ready for harvest. However, hear me when I say this, if the reaping is delayed, the golden hue, it turns from gold to white. If the harvest is delayed, the goldness of the wheat will turn from a goldish color to a whitish color. And go back with me 2,000 years ago where Jesus is looking at the harvest. He has his 12 people that he's mentoring and calling out. And he says, look at this field. It is no longer gold. The harvest has been delayed. The fields are white. I'm here to tell you today, church, that our summer priority is to go after the delayed harvest. My summer business is to go after the harvest. 
hear me when I say this. In no way, when you are called to do the work of God, does it come easy. If you see pastors on TV and you say, oh man, I wish I could be them because they look like they've got it made in the shade. I'm here to tell you today, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea the amount of work, the people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and go to work. Nothing comes easy when it's the will of God. Hear me. Nothing comes easy when it's the will of God. But it is always worth it. I'm here to tell you today that the harvest is worth it to me. The summer business of my God is worth it to me. And so I ask you as I close, is it worth it to you? Before we pray, as I begin to study and pray over this word, I came across a story, and it's an all too familiar story, to be honest with you. Even though I've never seen the movie, I've come across this story. In the movie Schindler's List, one of the most moving scenes, if you've ever seen the movie, is at the very end. Oscar Schindler had invested his energy and his fortune in saving the lives of hundreds of Jews who had been otherwise well, they would have been killed, they would have been hunted in Hitler's Holocaust. Because the war is now at its end, the Jews he saved will become free men and women, while Schindler now will become a fugitive. He walks to his car with his Jewish friends. All the others are around him, and Schindler begins to cry. He looks at his watch. And he looks to the Jews that he had saved and he said, I wonder what I could have gotten for this watch if it would have been one more person. He looks at his wedding ring. I wonder what I could have gotten for this ring. I wonder if I could have just won one more person. I wonder if I could have saved just one more person. I could have done more. At the very end of the movie of Schindler's List, he has one regret. This is the man who has saved dozens, if not hundreds, of Jews from the Holocaust. But this is the man who had one regret, and he said this, I could have done more. I don't want it to be said of this church that at the end of this summer, I could have done more. I don't want to go to heaven one day. And when the Lord is judging me, I have one regret. I could have done more. I don't believe that Jesus has called us to this earth just to enjoy the ride. He has called us to do more. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is precious.
and the harvest is priority. That is our summer business. With every head bowed, every eye closed today. Father, we just welcome your presence in this place today, God. Father, we welcome your presence in this place today, God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Change us from the inside out today. Lord, I'm talking to myself that before I leave this sanctuary, help me to have my priorities straight today, God. Because I want to care about the things that you care about. I want to concern myself with the things, oh God, that you concern yourselves with. You came to save. You came to rescue. So God, today, help us this summer. Help us rescue. With no one looking around, my first call today is simply this. Pastor, before I leave this sanctuary, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. I know that there's sin in my life. I know that there's sin in my life. I know that I've thought things. I know that I've done actions that have separated me from the love of the Father. And today I need to get repentance. So if that's you today, you need forgiveness in your life. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No one looking around say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just raise your hand? We're going to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Three, four. Just on my left already. Thank you so much. I see you. Hallelujah. Keep raising it. Six. Hallelujah. Seven. Praise God. I see you. I see you. Keep raising. Pastor, there's sin in my life. Before I leave today, I got to know that I know that I know I'm right with God. Hallelujah. Who's next? Come on. Before you can go after the harvest, you got to realize that you are harvest. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm going to ask that everyone today would stand up on your feet. And as you're standing, get ready to pray. And I'm going to ask that everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you're right with God or not, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. Pray this simple prayer out. I'm going to ask that our band would pray. I'm going to ask that our, our church leaders would pray. Pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on my cross. Please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of anything in my life that separates me from you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this day forward, I commit that I'm going to live for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Before I go to my next call, if that was you today, maybe that's the first time that you prayed that prayer, let me say this. Welcome to the family, number one. Why do we call ourselves brothers and sisters? Because we are. We're brothers and sisters. You're a part of the family of God. Let me also encourage you this. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. We'll give you one for free. Start in the book of John. Get in the book of John. John the Beloved. He portrays Jesus very much as a loving Savior. Start in the book of John. 
Get involved. Come to church. Get involved in ministries. Get involved in some of our, our small groups that are going to be restarting here soon. We want you to be a part of this great church. Church, here's my second call. I'm not going to call anyone down today. My second call is this. At the end of Matthew chapter 9, the beginning of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to do exactly what he had done in Matthew 9. Read, read the chapter in Matthew 10. He sends them out to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. But Matthew chapter 10, hear me when I say this, was basically a commissioning for the 12. Jesus was commissioning the 12 to go out and do what he was doing already. Church, we're going to have an outreach this, this month. But don't wait to share the love of Jesus. Don't wait to share the love of Jesus until that outreach. You're going to come across people this week that needs the love that only Jesus can provide. Am I talking to myself? You're going to come across people that Jackie and I are never going to have the privilege of coming across and meeting. Whether it's a coworker, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a boss. Hello, let me say this. Whether it's another family member that you have been praying that they would come to know Jesus. Be commissioned today to go out and to do the business of the Father. Hear me when I say this. In no way, because I'm standing behind a pulpit and holding a microphone, does that exempt me from doing the work of God during the week. It means all the more while I should be doing it other than just holding a microphone. And in no way, hear me when I say this, and I don't say this with an arrogant spirit, I'm not commissioning you. Jesus is. So you say today, Pastor, I'm going to be about the Father's business. I want to go as Jesus sent out his 12 to do the work of Jesus this week. I want to be commissioned to do that work. Would you raise your hand and say, I want to be about my father's business this week in Jesus' name. Keep your hands raised. Father, we pray for everybody that has their hand raised under the sound of my voice today that they're going to go out and do the work of the Father. We're going to go and rescue. We're going to go and heal. We're going to go in the one who sent us because the harvest is plentiful. And we commit to you today that we are going to be a worker. We commit to you today that we're going to be a part of the labor force. So Father, I pray that you would put in our path those that need to know you. Open up doors. Open up conversations. Use us. Fill us up today so that we can go out this week and leak on others. Do a mighty work 
oh God, this week. Inside your people for the work of our God. Help us, oh God, to reap a harvest this week. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Sing this out.